Welcome to A Higher Branch, a source of practical and powerful information for busy people dedicated to boosting their personal health and professional performance. I'm your host, Sam McCall. Hello and welcome to another episode of A Higher Branch, where we continue the series on managing the seven S's when it comes to your good health. Now, as we come out of this pandemic, and it's now being called by all governments uh, as an endemic, you don't actually need to isolate anymore, even if you do have symptoms. And a lot of us are starting to think, well, okay, it's time for me to get back to normal. And what does that look like? What does normal look like when it comes to your health and your well-being? To kickstart this year, we're presenting you with a series of podcasts on what I call the seven S's to help you take conscious control of your health, your happiness, and your immunity. Because immunity has become a huge topic in the last two years, and a lot of us are conscious of it. So what are the seven S's? We've already covered two. We've covered sustenance, as in nutrition and food and fuel. We've covered starvation, as in fasting and In today's episode, we're going to cover the topic of sleep. And in future episodes, we're going to cover strength, as in not just your cardiovascular system, but how strong you are, because all the science shows that it's strength that determines longevity, not cardiovascular fitness. The fourth S is sunshine. The fifth S is socializing and connectedness, which was so lacking during the pandemic. And it is definitely one of the most important seven S's. Then we're going to talk about, lastly, stress as a seventh S. And it's these seven that combined will help you take control of your health. I dare say even one of them, if you take control, will help you a lot. But if you want to live at what I call, you know, optimal performance. You know, I'm a performance junkie. I like to have energy on tap throughout the day. And if you want to live your best life and get more done in less time, then the more of these seven S's you can master, the healthier you'll be and the more you will get done in life, the happier you will be and the more people will be drawn to you. So on that note, I'm going to welcome back to our podcast, Dr. Scott Wustenberg, who's on the journey with me with these seven S's. Welcome back, Scott. Hi, Sam. Now, the first two episodes that we covered on sustenance, which was food, and then we talked about starvation, which was fasting. (laughs) The anti-food. Yes, the anti-food. Certainly, I mean, we had incredible feedback on both those podcasts. But for those of you who are joining us on this journey, go back and listen to those two because all these seven S's work in harmony. They work together. Interlink. Interlink, absolutely. And one builds on the next. So... I urge you to go back to listen to the first podcast on sustenance. Now, for those of you who are new, Dr. Scott Wustenberg is a teacher in nutrition and chiropractic neurology. He holds a master's in nutrition medicine, and he's far from your average health practitioner. He uses techniques, uses neurorehabilitation, sacro-occipital technique, or SOT, soft tissue orthopedics, diversified technique, biomechanics, cranial therapy, and orthomolecular medicine to treat holistically. Absolutely. And as you've said, you don't like to be labeled. You just say, I like to use anything and everything that works. It has to work to help the person in front of me. That's right. And you've had now 25 years of seeing patients and working with people, and you know what works and what doesn't work. So far. And from my experience, you're extremely passionate about helping people, which is refreshing because you take a very proactive approach to medicine. Because medicine is really in the react, there's the traditional doctors who are reactive, 
and then you have the preventative plan. Yes. But there's a group in the middle that get ignored, and that is the people that have some rehab to be done. Yes. They need to be fixed as well as you know be set back on the path, and that's the sort of segment that you fit in. I think so. Yeah, so let's cover then the topic of sleep. I've covered sleep on many occasions, but some of the stuff that you talk about when it comes to sleep was an eye-opener for me. And we'll touch on those things. And you know what I'm talking about. You're talking about breathing. Yeah. We'll also talk about those things in the context of stress. And maybe, just maybe, we'll cover both of them. Right. Okay. Let's, let's do that. Okay. Because my podcast producer tells me we have very little time today. <laughs> so maybe we can condense it. Let's talk about sleep. And my approach to all podcasts is what, why, and how. Yes. You know, what is sleep? Why is it important? And how do we get the best sleep? Because when it comes to what is sleep, there are different stages, isn't there? Sleep isn't just one, you're unconscious and that's it. There's a lot of things that go on. The problem is, is that there is no consensus as to what actually is sleep. No one really knows what sleep is, but we all agree that it's absolutely essential. And if you don't do it, you'll die. So the, the most important thing to understand is that Sleep, like gravity, is essential and affects us all, okay? If you don't sleep, you will go mad. If you don't sleep for even longer, you will die. It's a frightening thought. That is, that is just the truth so of it. If you're an insomniac listening to this, apologies. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so most, most insomniacs sleep a little. Yeah. They sleep just enough. And this is exactly what you were talking about, about what is sleep. Yeah. And so there's four stages of sleep and there's light sleep and so you start awake and then you go down through levels of vibration and consciousness into light sleep and if they do a little light sleep and a little deep sleep that's what i call survival sleep okay Okay, so that's enough to keep people from dying and i don't want that to like i come off sounding a little bit doom and gloom it's not meant to sound like that but the nuts and bolts of it are if you don't get any sleep the brain starts to fragment. Sleep seems to be a mechanism to glue consciousness together and to facilitate learning and memory and to allow healing and detoxification. Okay, so that's what sleep does for us. Is it the most important S in our series? It actually is because... We could argue that socializing is and interconnectedness and the the intricate love that socializing gives us. And I would argue that it's nearly as important as sleep. But without sleep, we will all fail to bind our consciousness together and we fragment and we literally will go mad. Okay, And that's a big statement. Well, there's been lots of studies which show that if you sleep deprived people right it impairs their judgment correct their cognitive and that's they hallucinate yeah. they see things they hear things it breaks their will now we we have a built-in mechanism though our body eventually even if you're an insomniac it will collapse after a few days and knock you out and you'll fall asleep for most of us yeah for some people that's not always the case and there are rare cases of people who, very rare yep but most very of the rare. people now probably live in the realm of hey i have a bad night's sleep when yeah. i'm stressed or if i've had a late meal or if i had a coffee yeah so oh coffee's bad for sleep yeah we're going to talk <laughs> yeah. about the things that prevent a good sleep the, and how do we get the best sleep yeah. more interesting thing as you were kind of expanding on there is we live in a realm where almost everyone in our urban performance driven environment is underslept 
Okay? Right. So the studies show that before the invention of the electric light bulb, people were sleeping on average around 10 hours a day, sometimes in biphasic sleep, sometimes in one block. hours. Correct. Okay. Okay? Wow. So more of our current research and data is looking at how much sleep is optimal for survival, not how much sleep is actually optimal. Because we've altered our lifestyles with all the electricity, the blue light, the computer screens, the TV screens, etc. And we're going to bed later because, again, if you think about our environment now, yep. mm-hmm. the sun goes down, we'll say, at 8 o'clock, right? You flick on a light. Instead of 100, 200 years ago, you would have a candle for a short piece of time, but kerosene and candles are expensive, aren't they? Yeah. So yeah. you didn't willy-nilly waste a candle if you didn't need to so you'd go to bed and you'd sleep and as i said there are biphasic sleep patterns where people would wake in the middle of the night and they'd do stuff and then they'd go back to sleep for a second phase of sleeping i was just about to ask you what biphasic yeah. sleep is because <laughs> so that's that's I think it you've answered my question because that's me yes i go to sleep and then after about four to five hours i wake up and i want to do stuff yep so that's biphasic <laughs> sleeping it is a genetic feature some people do it some people don't do it so if you wake up and you're alert at say 3 or 4 a.m yep you have something wrong with you because i've been told maybe it's your liver or what or you just need to go and do stuff and then go back to sleep (laughs) sadly it could be both and so if it's a sudden occurrence and you've not just always sort of done that then it could be that something has changed because around those earlier phases of the morning like 2 3 4 a.m we run out of available energy and so we have to have a shot of cortisol to cause gluconeogenesis to occur and so it actually costs you less energy to be awake than be asleep and that may be a factor so we may need to be looking at your energy production systems and how much you're eating and what you're eating before bed it could be this g6pc2 gene that means that we need to feed you a small amount of protein right before you go to bed and therefore or we could give you a little nugget of fat like a a keto bomb right so because that takes an extra couple of hours to digest and then that pushes the ability to have to go into your stores two hours further down the track right Right, and so we might get your sleep too elongate that way so that's a possibility you could be a biphasic sleep what we know is from time immoral there are morning larks and there are night owls and some people do biphasic sleep and they wake in the middle think about it from survival we have a tribe that needs someone on guard that is good at it that's me yeah so absolutely and so it may be that what we have to do is reframe your thinking about it and stop because everyone's like i'm not sleeping this is bad well no that's just you and it might be really okay and we just need to be using our time productively to make you feel better about it getting up and reading yeah reading's good writing's good what's not likely to be good would be bright blue screen and lots of bright light at that moment definitely not as you'll probably never go back to sleep at that moment in time it used to be the norm yes but now because of our modern era which drives everyone to work nine to five correct they make you feel like there's something wrong with you if you don't sleep straight through absolutely just like the three meals a day. Uh, Have you seen many babies do anything but biphasic sleep? I was thinking that, right. <laughs> okay. 
here's the thing though in the first four to five hours of sleep you don't get much rem correct more the deep yeah so if you don't go back to sleep you're going to miss out on the rem so can you tell us why is deep sleep important why is rem important and then we go back and see how we can manage biphasic sleep for those who are listening thinking i'm biphasic yeah as i said in the first instance deep sleep and light sleep are survival sleep you repair and you regenerate energy in that time phase so that you can face the next day it's the easiest way of thinking about it rem sleep is a different phase altogether whereby the body goes through what's called rapid eye movement phases of sleep and the body becomes basically paralyzed so all your muscles switch off now one of the benefits of that is by switching off all the muscles you're deloading the stress on your joints deloading tendons and ligaments so that's when you physically do repair of your body parts everything is just relaxed yeah Now, from a Chinese medicine perspective, somewhere around 3 a.m. when you're starting to do more REM is also where we do uh, detoxification. And we know that in those sorts of phases of sleep, we do more glymphatic flushing. Now, the glymphatics are a form of lymphatic tissue specifically in the brain, and the brain swells and compresses and it flushes all the toxins out of the brain. Now, if you don't do that, you are more likely to get dementias. So what are the toxins that build up in our brain? Well, there are free radicals such as peroxynitrites and oxygen radicals that are byproducts of the energy burning cycle. So your mitochondria has to burn energy and that process shuttles electrons which are potentially oxidatively stressful across membranes yep yep now sometimes there's leakage and if there's leakage it damages stuff and unfortunately we also get old cells and old membranes and old things that as we spoke previously about we do autophagy now every day we do a little bit of it this is the detoxification that is occurring every Mm -hmm. night it's you're fasting, aren't you? Yeah. yeah so right. yep. when you fast, you do these autophagous behavior patterns. So we spoke about autophagy in previous episodes. For yes. The system. <laughs> yep, yep. Which is getting lean and mean and cleaning out the system. And this is part yeah. of this cleaning the brain. So it's a small, shortened form of autophagy that occurs every night. That's why I say to people, you don't really want to be doing a detox pattern for 12 weeks every year. You want to be focusing on getting your cycles to work for you and your sleep to work for you. So you detox every day and you don't build up a backlog of oxidatively stressful components. Yep. So sleep is phenomenally important. Now, when Mm. we were thinking about like babies, for instance, and biphasic sleep, you do some REM in every cycle. Now, there are suggestions that if you're not heavily overworking the brain from a conscious perspective, you're not burning through and creating the same degree of oxidative stress. So you need less REM to clean up the system. Therefore, like a one-year-old, may not need as much REM sleep to actually function well. Okay, so let's just clarify what that means because this is a... uh, Prime (laughs) point. A very important point. So the more we tax our system during the day... Yes. And I want you to explain what that taxing looks like, whether it's TV, whatever it is, (laughs) or smoking or drinking or thinking. Thinking. Thinking is the big thing. 
and especially anything that very strongly uses your eyes. And that's where TV and computer screens come in because all those movements of tracking of objects cost lots of energy for the brain. So, Wow, very important point. The suggestion is that the brain uses 20, 25% of all energy produced and all blood supply from the heart, always, whether you're running or sitting still. The more you use your brain, the more demand for oxygen you have, right? Your eyes are suggested to use about 60% of all of that energy supply to track objects. We've become very visually centric as a species. We've always been more so, but it's got more and more and more, the more computers and games. Hey, and video killed the radio star, Absolutely, right? <laughs> that is exactly it. So yep. the more you're having to track mm. an object, will it come at me, will it hurt me, what speed is it going, like driving, Yep. Yep. the more you demand energy, you have to burn that energy, and burning is inefficient no matter what. So there is always some leakage. Wow. So the more visually active you are throughout the day, the more REM sleep you need. That's it. It's a hot light bulb moment there. <laughs> That's fascinating. Did not know that. And yep. so... Everyone needs REM sleep, but some will do it more efficiently. Some will do it less efficiently. And the suggestion is, is that it's the REM sleep that if we don't get it, will cause us to age prematurely. Okay, so it's the REM that's important. Yes. Luckily, my Aura Ring, my Aura Ring, uh, so it's O-U-R-A dot com if anyone wants to buy an aura ring, uh, I can't live without it. No. I don't have shares in the company, full disclosure. <laughs> Neither do I. I. I've tested a bunch of different tracking devices. It's the one I consider the most consistently accurate over everything else. Now, that tells me I get pretty good REM yes. most nights. So that's good. I thought it was deep sleep that was the most important. I used to. Yeah. And it was the popular misconception. But the more you look at it, if you don't get the REM, you start to build up psychological disturbances. Okay, so if you sleep eight hours a night, yes, six and a half of those are unconscious, yes, or say seven, yes, right. I'm only getting two hours of REM and about an hour of deep sleep, three right. hours. Yes, what's happening for the other four hours? Well, you're transitioning through phases for a start, right. and so again, when we look at a nighttime of sleep, you're meant to do somewhere between about four and five cycles, rather, and each cycle is about an hour and a half, roughly long, and the, the first cycles have more of the deep light and then less REM. And as you go through the night, you transition from more deep to less deep. That's exactly And what I you do more REM in the later hours. And this is based upon this, what do I need to do to immediately survive? Right, okay? right. Now, if you have a night that's disturbed sleep, your body will work out whether you need to do more REM in that catch-up night and you will do more REM and let, yeah, yeah. Or the inverse. Or the inverse. And it will depend on what you did and why you were having an issue, whether it was lots of energy or whether it was lots of staying out late drinking. And, And again, one of the reasons why I'm not a great fan of alcohol, as we've spoken about previously, is alcohol is shown to disturb your sleep cycles. Yeah, 100%. So (laughs) one standard drink will disturb tonight's sleep. Even one? One. 
And that's not worth it, right? Because well, of, not from my perspective. Well, not if you're cleaning out your lymphatic system and your glymphatic system. Now, the lymphatic is for the body, glymphatic yep, is for, it's the, for brain, the brain. Right. That's it. Gl, as in GL. Yes. Uh, for those of you uh, who couldn't quite make out what we were saying. <laughs> uh, just going back a step, then how much deep sleep and REM sleep should we be getting? There's these biohackers yes. out there that say, I only need to sleep six and a half hours because in that six and a half hours, I'm still getting two hours of REM yep. and one and a half hours of deep sleep. And is that the gold standard? One and a half hours of deep sleep, two hours of REM? That's the best amount of efficient survival. The experts yeah. will suggest that those biohackers will come a cropper at some point. So you need the volume as well? Volume, the downtime... Amount. Again, if we go back to this idea that previous cultures were sleeping 10 hours yeah. a night, yep. we might be, again, it's this performance is junkie. What, is that what we need? Uh, well, I suspect that we need probably closer towards that. When we look at really? children and teenagers, they're needing like 12 to 14 hours of sleep. My daughter sleeps minimum 10 hours. Yes. Yeah. Well, she needs it just purely because of her age. Do we need it as well? We do. As we I believe on. that we're... Well, the big thing... And we're going to talk about naps to some degree, but naps can be dangerous because naps can fragment your sleep. And fragmented sleep is actually the most dangerous thing. And if you What's in, fragmented sleep? Fragmented like? sleep is when you're coming out of your sleep cycle. And yeah, I do that a lot. Yeah. And that's where the damage actually seems to come in. Because, because I go up and down continuously throughout yeah, the night. Yeah. As against following the standard wavefront. But geriatrics older people mm. the suggestion is because they sleep lots falling asleep all the time the micro naps that they do interrupt the amount of sleep pressure to force them to go through oh, their yeah. full sleep stages at night so they don't do enough real repair and they're chronically tired all the time chronically under detox chronically low energy production right, and this right. then compounds and hastens the aging cycle so if you have good quality sleep at night yes then you shouldn't need naps, naps. Right? but you can again yeah. different ways of thinking about it suggest you should have a 24 minute power nap one minute for every hour of the day just for you or you could do a 24 minute meditation the idea is that taking time for you to deload your brain rhythms yes. and get them back into default mode and take the stress off you, which is what a nap does, is a blessing. But if you go too far and you start going into to deep sleep or REM sleep in the nap and then you come out of it, it will upset your nighttime sleep pattern. So I'm going to show you my aura data. Yeah. Okay. And you're going to tell me, I'm going to put it up on the screen for those of you who are watching on our YouTube channel. Those um, viewing at home. <laughs> now, you mentioned five cycles. Yes. Most of the expert whose work I've followed suggest that five cycles would be really nice and we could do... So how many cycles am I having there? That's a really excellent question. <laughs> you're technically having about three and a half. So, oh, okay, that's not five cycles. No, it, it's not. It kind of looks like it, but the problem is... Let's bring it up to the camera, actually. So. Okay. So what we're seeing is you're coming out of your sleep cycles too soon. Yes. So you're going through the first two cycles okay, and then from there on, it's very broken and interrupted. And it's suggesting that something 
is altering how your sleep is actually occurring. And that's... I'm going to show you another one. Yeah. Right, I'm going to bring it up there. So the white section is the awake. That's awake. The light blue is the REM. The sort of half blue is light sleep and the dark blue is the deep sleep. Yeah. Now, I think I suspect this is what most people's sleep pattern looks like. So I'm going to give it to you now and interpret that for you. <laughs> Well, that, that is definitely what we'd look at from the idea of biphasic sleep. But the problem with your biphasic sleep is that you don't just do biphasic sleep. You are fundamentally coming out of your sleep cycle at the end of approximately every hour and a half, two hours throughout the night. So we've got two distinct phases of sleep, right. early and later. But at the same point, something is pulling you out of your sleep your airway your snoring snoring absolutely okay. snoring is which i am still in denial about of course <laughs> yeah 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 well i mean <laughs> everyone's allowed to be in egypt you know that the land of denial denial <laughs> sorry <laughs> well i i but, swear that i don't sleep but my wife said sometimes you do yeah so when people are snoring does it bring them out of deep sleep so snoring has several things occurring potentially one of which is that you have a closure of your airway okay the tongue and the pharynx and the tissue at the back can be closing up and we're not getting clean air in so if you do that for long enough your brain has to kick you either roll you over or tighten your jaw, tighten your mm. throat muscles to actually clear your airway. To do that requires either adrenaline or cortisol. And it wakes you up. Brings you up out of your sleep. Do Not enough to break your consciousness to bear. Okay, but sometimes, <coughs> but sometimes. it does. Yes. So do men snore more than women? According to women, definitely. <laughs> okay. No, no, I've, I, have, I have read that men snore more than women. And does that mean that's the reason why women live longer? Sleep is such an important... Well, they're holding the pillow over your head. <laughs> <laughs> so the issue is if you snore yeah. and you don't do something about it, you are shortening your wife or partner's life as well. As well. Okay? okay, because if they're hearing you, they are not going into deep quality sleep as well. They are awake enough to hear your irritation right? Yep. So that's bad for them equally as much as it's bad for you. It's just more directly bad for you because that snoring has effects on the cardiovascular system, pre-diabetes, stroke risk. Really? Oh yeah. It's very much associated with sleep apnea and it will increase What's your chance. What's the difference between sleep apnea and snoring? And snoring. Yep. So sleep apnea is a fragmentation of the airway specifically and it can have snoring involved but it's breath holding for some reason and they can be central or they can be obstructive so obstructive is yep, yep, central yep. is my brain stop me breathing that two command things, yeah. yeah there are two different things. The, what are the causes then of sleep apnea or snoring let's start, let's start with snoring is it weight what i was about to say the, the first one without wanting to offend anyone out there mm. it's weight Weight around the throat, weight around the diaphragm, bloating. So bubble, tummy, beer, belly pushes okay. up under the diaphragm. When you're catatonic, there's not as much drive mechanically to catatonic push down. As in, uh, lying unconscious. Flat. Oh, it's unconscious. not just lying flat, it's unconsciousness. Unconscious. Yep. And so that's why we tend to get more of it later on when we're trying to approach REM sleep. Because yep. yep. we're going into paralysis. So the muscles turn off 
and then you're on basic autonomic nervous system drive to keep everything alive. And if you're not getting that drive, your autonomic nervous system, which is part and parcel of fight flight, will wake you up. Yeah. Bang. Yeah. Bang. So there's different mechanics going on. And some people, they just stop breathing. And this is that central drive. And mm. we don't always know why they're doing it. But it's essential to do something about it because sleep apnea is strongly associated with early death. It's strongly associated with poorer cognitive function. Fragmented sleep for five to six days will leave you with the cognitive capacity of someone legally drunk. And they are driving out there at this moment. Jeez, that's right. Okay. That is a big <clears throat> call and people need to address that and they need to get themselves checked. It is not a how small do, thing. How does someone check themselves? Well, the first thing, I mean, they could buy an aura ring yep. so that they get some basic idea or a Garmin watch or a whoop strap. There's lots of different ways. They could go and see their GP to get referred to a sleep physician to do a sleep study. Simple things that they can look at include has my neck circumference expanded? Has my waist and tummy circumference expanded? If it has, yeah. well, if it has, fundamentally, you're probably pre-diabetic and pre-diabetes and diabetes are caused by sleep apnea and snoring. Note that statement. That's a big call, but it's true nonetheless. The data supports wow. that the inflammation from dysregulated and fragmented sleep will cause you to become diabetic, to put on weight, to drive towards heart disease. Nothing to do with food. Nothing to do with food. You can eat a perfect diet. And I've got plenty of patients who were going, but I'm eating so well. I've got my calories under control. My dietitian's at a loss. Wow. And then we go, yeah, but you're tongue-tie and you've got sleep apnea and you're fragmented sleep. And like, I've got patients who are Vietnam vets and they've got PTSD mm. and so they are more inclined to these problems because they're already fragmented purely because of the stress that they've been under so if you've got significant trauma you're probably a greater candidate for these things as well so yep. psychology is always a factor in dealing and treating these things but no matter what think of rock on your foot if your airway is being occluded because your tongue has swollen your kind of neck circumference is bigger and fatter you're not getting through the bubble in your tummy because you've put on 40 kilos you need to go and get that looked at whether you need an orthopedic splint to bring the jaw forward or you need mm -hmm. CPAP or BiPAP which are machines that help continuously push air into your airway it's a lifesaver and it's essential and people don't like the stigma of it no one does so I don't want the Darth Vader machine it's better than having a car accident. Yep, yep. So <laughs> absolutely, I'm strongly in support of it because it is lurking out there in so many people's lives and it goes on to create other diseases. Yep, that's frightening stuff, but <laughs> there's something you can do about it. Now let's talk about other things that impact your sleep. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about caffeine. We've talked about artificial light at night. Sort of touched yeah. on it. Also electromagnetic frequencies, is, I know, is a topic that oh, you're a big really one. Uh, interested in. Let's start with caffeine. I give keynotes sometimes at events and I touch on this and someone will say, I can have a cup of coffee and go to bed. That's true. And I say, yeah, but what kind of sleep are you having? Yeah. So <laughs> as it turns out, there are epigenetic phenotypes for how well you yeah. process coffee. Are you a fast processor? I'm a slow processor. So I have coffee in the morning and yeah. I don't have it after about 10 o'clock, ever. 10 a.m. 10 a.m. Yep. That's where it stops for me. 
For other people, you could say 12, but it's got quite a long time to process through the body. Yeah. So the problem with that is that if it's a slow processor, that coffee that you had later on will be keeping your brain alert. You might be tired, but caffeine blocks the adenosine receptor. Adenosine is the molecule that creates sleep pressure, and it comes from adenosine triphosphate being burned in the cells. So adenosine triphosphate is the energy molecule that the body produces in the mitochondria, and that's what actually moves us. Right. So right. we make the ATP and we burn it, which is this electron transport chain, and AMP builds up in the cells. And we have to replenish that and we remake it back. We recycle it into ATP again, adenosine triphosphate. That buildup builds the sleep pressure to bind into the receptor to go, you have burnt through all your stores, you're overtired now, go to sleep. Yeah. Right. So we can artificially induce that by feeding people adenosine. But caffeine blocks that receptor and stops the adenosine binding to the receptor side. So you're dead tired. You know you're dead tired, but your brain is alert and will not shut down. And this is where some people's insomnia comes from. Caffeine. Caffeine. Over, over consumption of caffeine. And, you know, <clears throat> sometimes people will not be getting enough sleep for a period of time for whatever reason. So what the body does is it doesn't recycle the AMP back into ATP. It just smunches some pieces together and burns the capital, so to speak. Yep. So you break down your store and you don't have as much cash in the system to keep running. And this causes people to become chronically fatigued because you don't have enough to keep the system generating. Yeah, drink more coffee the next day. And Correct. It's, it's and it blocks. Cycle. Exactly. Jeez, so bad. bad. And, uh, you know, caffeine comes from cola, drinks, coffee, green tea, black tea. Absolutely. Uh, all yeah, of those things. I think the bad one at this moment is actually the caffeinated soda beverages because they're so common. They are so addictive Red for the Bull, young people. The, Red Bulls, Monsters. Yeah. And they're now making them bigger and bigger. Like, yep. instead of it being <laughs> 250 mils, which is what a Red Bull was, they're now in 700 mil sort of big, big gulp cans. And that means those kids who might have one, two, three a day are severely impacting their nighttime you sleep. Know, why isn't the government making these illegal? I mean, seriously, but look, that's a yeah. topic I, I for don't another know. time. But, but see, my answer to that is <laughs> I'd rather have no government intervention and we have like actual science and education of the parents to go, you've got to steer your kids away from this. I don't want the government making a mandate yeah, on it. Yeah, I want to, point. I want to educate point. those kids to know, to know yeah. doing that is not going to help you. It's going to lead to trouble. Choose. Because yes. I shouldn't say that I never drink caffeine or coffee after 10. I will occasionally, if I know that I'm going to have to be yeah. alert at a certain point, like I'm driving somewhere at 11 o'clock at night, I might choose to have a, a black coffee at 2 p.m. because I know it's going to have an effect on my alertness. Yeah, people can manage. So yeah, it's yeah. a choice, and everyone should have the choice to live without Big Brother getting in their life. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. But, so sleep is one of those things you can't compromise on. And caffeine is an inhibitor of good sleep. Alcohol is an inhibitor. So bad. Artificial light at night. We've put dimmer switches on all our rooms. I actually light candles at night. That's a good I, thing. The, the, the red light is, is quite good for you. Mm. You can get red sunglasses, pink sunglasses to actually... i blue light blockers as Perfect. well. 
But uh, the point you make, though, you can wear blue light blockers when you're watching TV, but your muscles are still working, like you said, and it's stimulating the brain. And it's chewing through energy. Chewing through energy, yep. And people then say, oh, but reading does the same thing. Yes, it does, but no, it doesn't. It's different. It's different. It's a different amount of energy use. You're not kind of tracking bright, fast-moving objects. Correct. And so I, I think reading is one of the last things I do every day because it slows and tires me out and it takes my energy levels down and it's my oh it's time to go to sleep so for those listening at home so to speak i have yeah we're in the car (laughs) i have a series of sleep hygiene rules that if anyone wants just uh contact will make it freely available so that what's the email address tawong at advance rehab dot com dot au all right we'll put it in the description it's t-o-o-w-o-o-n-g yes at advance rehab so dot com dot au you can just look through it hopefully some of it's really straightforward it's reducing the amount of blue light exposure in the afternoons and evenings it's making sure your environment is nice and cool it's getting rid of emf and emf is an underrated sleep pollutant so EMF, electromagnetic fields, electrosmog. This is from cell phones, cell phone towers, the wiring in your walls, all of that stuff. Wi Fi. It has charge, it has electron particles bouncing around. Now, a paper that I came across by Marshall and Hill in 2017 is specifically on the environment and autoimmunity and the effect that electrosmog has on generating autoimmune disease because of its negative impact on the brainstem. So those Wi-Fi fields from both phone, phone tower and standard Wi-Fi is shown to deform the vitamin D receptor in the brainstem. Yes, we were talking about this. And and this is really important because vitamin D is critical for immunity. Correct. And a whole heap of other functions. It's critical for activating your REM phase of sleep. So you don't have enough vitamin D in your system, you do not do as much REM sleep, okay? Which means that you don't cleanse your body. Correct, you don't do the glymphatic, you don't take the load off your joints, etc. You don't heal. You don't heal as effectively. Now, further to that though, the level that is considered appropriate by medicine for vitamin D sufficiency is about half that that the body actually requires to make the REM phase of sleep work effectively so you need to be above about 150 now the standard level here in australia for some testing labs is 50 to 150 other labs say it's 50 to 300 what the evidence about sleep shows is that it's got to be much much higher it's about 150 160 150. Yeah. yeah you'd be struggling to find one percent of the population at 150 isn't that a problem most people are 50 or less and you know we've done a really good job with the skin cancer message for the last 40 years slip yeah. slap slop cover up get out of the sun it's bad but the problem with that is that it's an essential thing it helps set your circadian rhythms the quality of light from morning midday nighttime sets how your brain tires you out and gets you ready for sleep okay well that's all for today's podcast on sleep and just to recap Because I think this is the most important S, especially if you are a person that struggles with good quality sleep. So 
I want you to, number one, track your sleep. And please do so by getting the best device on the market by far, and that is the Aura Ring. It's easy. You forget it's on your hand. That's O-U-R-A.com. I don't have shares in the company, but just about every person that I coach, I make sure that one of the first steps is for them to get an Aura Ring because it's absolutely essential that you measure your progress and what gets measured gets managed because the reason why i like to track sleep for my clients is because a lot of people who are quite robust or insensitive when it comes to caffeine or alcohol they say hey look i could drink three glasses of wine and go to sleep not a problem or i can have two coffees and go to sleep don't realize that that insensitivity can work against you because Yes, you might still be able to get to sleep, but the question is what quality sleep are you getting? And the Aura Ring not only tells you your REM sleep, which is where most of our detox happens and the rejuvenation of our muscles, tendons, ligaments, but it also measures your deep sleep. And deep sleep is where human growth hormones get produced by the pineal gland and human growth hormones is really the elixir for youth that's what keeps our testosterone levels high and keeps us living longer the other thing the aura ring measures is your heart rate variability super important we'll go through that in another episode your body temperature because you can see if you're not getting enough deep sleep you look at your body temperature and it usually means your body temperature is too high it's important that you measure those things resting heart rate your respiratory rate and that is how many breaths you're doing per minute whilst you're asleep all this data is super essential and sleep is for those who are not naturally good sleepers is your number one priority it needs to be your number one priority in life so i could go on about this topic and we are going to come back and touch on it again and again but i hope you've learned a lot from today's episode a lot of people don't know much about polyphasic sleeping so i hope what we've covered there has been informative if not you can always email us and we can send you more information and we touched on the, the damaging impact of fragmented sleep and lots of other stuff. And so it's been an interesting topic. And thank you again, Scott, for being on this journey with us. And I look forward to presenting next week's episode as we continue the seven S's or the seven pillars for good health. And the next topic is going to be on strength and the importance of strength as opposed to fitness. Because strength is the number one predictor of longevity when it comes to your physical body. It's not stability, it's not balance, it's not just flexibility, but it's strength. And in particular, grip strength. And we're going to be covering that in next week's episode. So thank you again, Scott, and look forward to having you on this journey with me. And as always, live consciously, my friends. Thank you.